Welcome to Ellie's Coffee Talks, the podcast featuring creative entrepreneurs in the Basel area over the best cups of coffee in the best cafes. Rebecca comes from Louisiana, lived in Boston, and has been in Basel for about a decade now. She used to be an interior architect specialized in creating spaces to support a thriving work environment. Today, she helps people with their inner architecture as a coach, facilitator, and speaker. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. We're here at Heiko. Apparently, it's pronounced like that. Yeah. In Spallenberg, I call it the living room. Yeah. It's super cute. Oh, it's so nice here. It's got <laughs> such a nice vibe. Yeah. It's perfect for today. Yes. Around a coffee and a tea. Thank you for agreeing to do this. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> totally. And uh, if you want to share about what you do and what what a regular day looks like for you. <laughs> oh, I love that question of what does your regular day look like? Um, so every day is a bit different, but but generally regular day starts off I like my mornings to be slow. I don't like rushed mornings. So I would much prefer to get up quite early um, to have time for just a little silence for gratitude journaling for um, yeah one of the things that I really enjoy is just a good shower with time to get ready like for me the water is is totally healing it's such a good place to begin my day um, and then with some movement normally either just walking to wherever I'm going to work for the day so We, we used to have an office and we're in between offices right now. So either walking to the office or walking to a cute little cafe, something that has some good energy like this space, um, to, yeah, to get working, to do whatever calls I need to do. And, yeah, it's a good day. <laughs> it's a good day. <laughs> cool. Um, what did you dream of doing as it, when you were a kid? Oh, I was going to be a marine zoologist and I was going to travel around with Jacques <laughs> Cousteau and we were going to go study animals in the oceans. It's funny because when I was really little, the first time I went to the ocean, I was convinced that I wasn't going to stick my face in the water because my parents had told me it was salt water. And I was like, mm -mm, no, not going to do it. Even to the point that my dad had made this little box like a glass bottom box so that I could stick the box in and see underwater without having to put my face in the water. <laughs> and that lasted for about three minutes. So they said, just put, look, we bought you a pair of goggles, just try. And the moment that my head went underwater, I was absolutely in love. And so then I, I wasn't coming back up. They were having to drag me out of the water. So that was actually, my sister is a marine zoologist, ah, so both wow. of us fell in love with the ocean. Both of my parents are, like, have science backgrounds, grew up playing with frogs and turtles and snakes and bugs, and um, yeah, so, so it's, it was just one of those things. I, I, knew, I knew that I was going to travel the oceans, and, <laughs> and now I do that for fun, but, but now I do a few other things instead. <laughs> So what is it for fun? Do you go diving or...? I love snorkeling. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, I don't have a diving certificate. Um, that's something that might come in the near future. But for me, really, I just... I love doing the diving with the snorkeling, but I just love being in the explorer role in the ocean. 
for me just kind of I can lay on the beach for a little while, like an hour or two. I can swim in the beach for a little while, like 20 minutes. But whenever I get the chance to explore, mm. that's when that's when I have a good time. <laughs> so now you explore other things. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about that? Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, the exploration piece has always been something for me. Um, and... It started a bit because I was exploring and always super interested in the way that um, spaces affect how we interact with each other. The way that we feel when we walk into a space, like for example this cute cafe. When you walk into certain spaces they just feel really good or certain spaces feel strong and powerful or other ones feel light and airy. And my dad worked as a cabinet builder or actually woodworker so anything wood inside of homes he would produce and my mom was working with him so I spent a lot of time playing with building things um, and so whenever I had the chance I thought okay so maybe I'll do interior architecture because I don't care as much about like the external structure it's mm -hmm. interesting but what I really care about is the space that the people are interacting in within the space and as I progressed more and more through my career went through school and then was working in Louisiana then Boston then London um what I realized was I actually just cared more about the people side than mm -hmm. the design side. So then I started going towards consulting, but I kept pushing it further and further. And then it was more about the human element. How do we respond and why do we respond to the spaces that we're in? And then what makes certain people respond in one way and others in another? And it kept coming closer and closer to home. And that's when I kind of flipped the switch. I was doing a lot of workshops with people and was thinking, okay, how do, how do I dig deeper? How do I get to another layer? And so that was whenever I started exploring either the psychology side or the coaching mm -hmm. side. And that was still in the architecture exactly. job. Exactly. Yeah. So that's actually that's how all of the, the coaching work got started mm -hmm. was because I thought, okay, that's a good way to learn how to coach people, maybe with more tools, maybe I could learn more tools for how to get more out of my clients, for mm -hmm. how to help them, you know, draw out more clarity as they're trying to explain what exactly they want, what is their vision, what is their desire. Mm -hmm. And actually, it did work. That really helped in the consulting work that I was doing. But more and more, what I was realizing is that the foundation is the human element. Mm -hmm. And that's where everything starts. And so if you start with the space, then you're kind of working backwards through a system that's already very well established, whereas if you flip it around and you start looking at the uh, inner architecture <laughs> of us, you know, that we're the home that we carry around. Everything mm -hmm. around us is well curated, but this this is the home that we can't live without, you know, we, we can't leave this one. We can't like, oh, you know, I would like to live in another city. Yeah. Oh, I would like to be another Rebecca. You know, how can I? We, lots of people try, yeah. you know. 
I have a, a question about that uh, that that's always popping up again and again in my head is, yeah. and, uh, and a friend of mine shared also on Instagram a couple of days ago mm -hmm. what is home for mm. you? I know, it's funny that the little saying home is where the heart is comes in um, but that's that's way too easy it doesn't <laughs> really touch it it doesn't touch it it's just the first thing that pops into my head yeah home for me is it, it's not a place actually and that's that used to be something very difficult for me because I feel a bit like a nomadic heart <laughs> like Louisiana is home because that's where my family is um, Boston was home because that was where I grew up a whole mm -hmm. lot and learned a lot about myself Basel I have another family that's mm -hmm. here right mm -hmm. um, and and so that piece it's not really tied to it's tied it's hmm. <laughs> it's tied to almost for me like an inner grounding like a space that I can just breathe in whether that's a physical space or a space that I share with another human being it doesn't have one particular location It's, yeah, it's really about that shared experience of myself with the outside world somehow. So do you ever get homesick? Yes. <laughs> so what do you think this feeling is if it's not actually related to a physical space? It's a lack of connection. To For yourself? Me, yes, exactly. For me, it's specifically a lack of connection to myself. Because that's in essence... I mean, when I say, like, when we're together, right, it's so nice and we've got beautiful energy that flows and we can talk about anything. But I have that in me and you mm -hmm. give me the space mm -hmm. to express that part of me. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I love is recognizing that, like, nobody can give me love, for example, or give me something. They can only inspire me or or open up a space to where I can share that with myself that I can experience that love within me and that's that's for me what the home piece is mm -hmm. is that somebody gives me the space to just allow me to relax into whatever's going on right now yeah mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thanks for answering this question. <laughs> you're welcome. I kind of knew, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love those moments you're like, yeah, reconfirmation. Yeah. Yeah. I did. <laughs> it's not what I wanted to hear, but it's okay. <laughs> Home is a place. It's just done. I can give you the specific formula. It's yeah. Certain colors. It's yes. easy. Good. The furniture from Heiko. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. The pillows that we're sitting on, perfect. Where you grew up. Exactly, exactly. But it's funny that you that your background is actually that, you know, yes. is actually being interested in how oh, yes. it looks oh, yes. inside, but outside yes. also. Yes. And then going more and more towards inside. <laughs> the literal inside, yes. No, it's... Um, It's funny because that's something that came out actually as I was having a discussion with someone because whenever I was first trying to figure out 
at first it felt totally disjointed. At first it was like, wait, so now I want to do coaching. And I was an interior designer, an architect. Like, mm -hmm. mm, that feels just so weird to yeah. me. And I went through this process of going, well, it feels weird. But I know that there's a huge amount of connection. So what's actually there? And at some point in time, I was sitting down with a friend and he was asking, okay, so what was it about the design stuff that you loved? Tell me, just, just speak. And I said, ah, okay, so it was always, I loved the old buildings. I didn't like new construction, mm -hmm. right? I could do new construction. I didn't like new construction. I like the old buildings where you walk into a space and first you assess, you take the measurements, you try and figure out, okay, what do we have to work with here? And most often there are layers of stuff that have been piled on like, you know, old paint and all of this furniture that's been brought in and new walls that have been put up to fit certain old needs. So you take an assessment, you figure out what's there. Then you decide, you kind of make a plan. You say, okay, so where do we want to go? And then you start clearing out. And sometimes you find like absolute gems. You're taking stuff off of a wall and you, you realize that there's a mural behind it. And you're like, whoa, I had no idea that that existed. Let's save that. Mm -hmm. Or different features. And then when everything is cleared out and you've got this space to kind of move and then really see what's there, then you start saying, okay, so when I think about where I want to go with this space, what do I need to bring in? What do I need to, to utilize within this space? Mm -hmm. And as I was describing this to him, <laughs> I started realizing this is exactly the work that I do with coaching. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. So we take this house, right? Mm -hmm. We have things from our childhood, things from our adolescence, all of these things mm -hmm. that we've gathered. And for me, I used to think it was life was an additive process. When I get this yeah. knowledge, when I get these <laughs> skills, when I have all of this stuff, when I find this partner, when I make this amount of money, when I live in this space, right? It was like this checklist. Mm -hmm. Whenever I get all of this stuff, then, mm -hmm. then I'll be happy. ready. I'll be happy. I'll feel fulfilled. And then all of a sudden we start to realize, wow, my house is pretty full. <laughs> I have a whole lot of stuff yep. here, but somehow I'm still not getting there. Mm -hmm. I'm still not feeling what I expect to feel. Yep. And so then it becomes this process of cleaning out. And that's exactly what it was for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And that's what I fell in love with and wanted to just facilitate that when we were talking about home, mm -hmm. right? I wanted to give other people the space that was safe for them to explore that for themselves. And that's essentially what I do, mm -hmm. is I help them kind of, okay, evaluate what's there, mm -hmm. let's look and see. Mm -hmm. Then we say, okay, does this actually still serve you? Yep. Is this helping? You know, you've used this technique for 20-something years and mm. it hasn't worked yet. Mm. Would we be perhaps willing to look at something else? Because as a technique, that one's not really working so well, yep. you know? Um, and then to try and say, okay, what's actually here? And to see the richness that exists within this house that you already have. It's already so chocked full of beautiful things. Yes. And people are, I'm sure, often fearful mm. to let them go oh, or yes. to change oh yes. yes it's hard actually and fear 
fear is one of the biggest things that I work with. Mm. Um, it's funny we have an interesting relationship with fear. Because when, when, pe when most people are talking about fear, right? Fight it, wage war against it, battle it, conquer it, right? They're all about, like, literally waging war with fear. Mm -hmm. Everything is about conflict. Mm -hmm. But fear arises from within us. Yep. It's part of us. So in essence, whenever we talk about waging war with it, we talk about waging war against ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that is a massive shift and it's a scary shift to make because how do you how do you listen to your fear because your fear in essence is a beautiful resource it's one of our most amazing resources but it's understanding what it is and in some ways fear communicates like a child right at first it starts out it's like um, mm, mm, that feels uncomfortable I don't know what's going on here And when we have this idea of pushing fear away, then it acts like a little kid. Then it starts throwing tantrums, it pounds on the ground, it screams louder and louder, you know. Or it becomes afraid of being seen. Like for those that try and battle it and conquer it, it feels like, look, I'm just trying to support you and help you. Yeah. Why Why can't you listen to me? And so then sometimes it just gets pushed down so much. So then it's how do we, how do we re relate to our fear? Mm -hmm. How do we learn to use that as a massive resource? Because it's like a red flag of this is where you're supposed to look. Yeah. It's so funny. Sometimes in initial consultations, people will come in and say, like, I want to talk about everything, but I'm not going to talk about my, my relationship. Or, I'm not <laughs> going to talk about whatever. Or it, it, I don't need to go here. And inevitably, that's yeah. the fear saying, this is the one place that I really need to work on. Yep. And it's the place that I'm most afraid of going. Yep. That's funny. So, yeah. Do you guys want to go do a coaching session with Rebecca yet? <laughs> I, I know I do. <laughs> It's fun. It's fun. And I try and make it as playful as possible because we talk about a lot of heavy stuff, but for me, humor is hugely important. Mm. Like to be able to lighten up. And, yep. you know, sometimes I've had one client who was talking about a really, really tough situation. And at some point in time, I was like, oh man, your life sounds pretty shitty right now. And he just stopped and he started giggling and he said, yeah, it is kind of, you know, but to be able to bring that lightness in, that little release, yep. gives us the space, again, you know, I talk a lot about space, but for me it's really important, the space yeah. to be able to laugh at ourselves, the space yeah. to be able to take something that's really heavy and say, okay, well, whenever I'm highly, you know, highly weighed down by it, I don't see so many options, but whenever... I can giggle about it a little bit, mm. then, mm -hmm. all right, maybe I start to loosen up a little bit. There's a little bit more room to... And we take ourselves way too serious. Amen. All the time. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. Even this, this is not serious at all. No! This is so nice. And I love it. We're sitting on the floor. It's so cool. We have a beautiful cup of tea. There are all of these happy people moving around us. Yeah. And it's just, ah. Oh. Yeah. It's yeah. good. And for you, being from that kind of background, it must be, I guess, even you're more sensitive to that kind of space than maybe somebody else. Yes. Yeah. yeah, maybe. But it's funny, people, when you say sensitive, 
I think sometimes people get the wrong picture because sometimes no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. But it, no, I, it's it's the Maybe perfect it's the, word. Okay. It's the perfect word, <laughs> but it, it's in a different way. Like I used to have people, whenever they would invite me over to their home, they would say like, "Oh, you're probably looking at all of my decoration, <laughs> right?" Like, and for me, it's not that way at all. What oh, okay. I pick up is a sense of you from your style yeah and not like oh it's messy so you yeah. must be a messy person i'm also yeah. chaotic at times there are places like i tend to have little piles around the house my partner always has like oh <laughs> the piles are getting a little the piles are starting to pile up and it's like okay yep he's german yes exactly <laughs> and he likes his order and he likes his structure but it's perfect actually yeah, because perfect. as well that's a reflection of me like it's interesting whenever mm-hmm. i start to see my space becoming a little bit chaotic mm-hmm. it's almost always a reflection of ah okay i need to take a little bit more time for myself i need to maybe have some more boundaries right now or because oh, yeah, it's really interesting how it's a reflection yeah or you might have my lovely ex-partner like you know his space is perfectly curated everything has its place everything has order you know or certain people where it's really everything is wild and you can see the travels that they've done and all of mm. the travels are displayed somewhere and you just get a sense for the individual mm. from the home and that that kind of sensitivity i love i pick up so much through that Cool. So for the coaching, do you go to people's places? Generally, generally no. That, um, that'd be interesting. It is, but it's also a little distracting mm. because while it's a fun skill to have, <laughs> um, it, it can also sometimes bias me. Uh, yeah. um, because what I want to do with whenever I'm working with either a team or an individual... I want to come in as neutral mm. as possible. So I want to understand what's going on with you and I want to hear from your perspective what's happening. Um, and in one way, it's already only one-sided because, for example, let's say you're having a conflict with yep. a co-worker or something. I'm only hearing your side. Yep. But I want to tune in to what's going on for you and essentially that sensitivity I don't want the sensitivity to the way that you've curated your outside world. I want the sensitivity to the way that you've curated your inside world. Mm-hmm. And then, in some cases, actually, with some people, phone is even better. There are some clients that I've said, oh, look, yeah. we don't meet in person, we do it oh, over yeah. the phone. Because they're either thinking about, like, oh, is my hair straight? <laughs> or, oh, no, I'm crying. Yeah. This is embarrassing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas sometimes that heightened sense of hearing what's going on listening mm-hmm. is the biggest thing mm-hmm. for for really what's going on inside of somebody else because some people have amazing skills at being able to mask what's going on and looking at them from the outside you wouldn't really be able to tell oh i'm depressed or mm-hmm. oh i'm really struggling in life somewhere or i'm really down and struggling with this work situation mm-hmm. But the words, for me, words don't lie. Mm-hmm. Or, or the intonation, the way that it's okay. delivered doesn't lie. The words can often lie, actually, that's very true. <laughs> but that's where I see that misalignment. Okay. So there are times when somebody says, no, 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 I'm really good. And what I hear in that deeper place within me is, 
that doesn't mm-hmm, align mm-hmm. with what I feel from the delivery. And so that's when I ask, are you sure? Mm-hmm. I would love to, I'll ask you later, I'll try to keep it in mind how you feel this. Yes. But first I'd like to switch to all the other things you do also. Yes. Yes. Like the happiness Agora festival that just happened in Basel. Yes. Oh, that was so much fun. So um, one of the big things that I love is I love community building and I love facilitating community building mm-hmm. um, because it's it's actually also from a very selfish standpoint. <laughs> I love to meet amazing and surprising people. Um, and I also love the way that people totally like totally surprise me. Those people that sometimes maybe you've seen around for like months or years even. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have a chance to really sit down and talk with them. And you find these little gems inside of them and you're like, whoa, wait, you wrote a book and you do, you're a tightrope walker? Like you were in a circus? How did I not know that? Who is this? (laughs) I have to tell you later. No, I had literally this conversation the other day about this lovely woman that, oh, I love so much. She was actually part of the Agora. And um, I was asking her a little bit about her history and like this came up. I was like, whoa. Wait, hold on, that's amazing. And that was actually one of the things that we specifically had at the Agora was these deep table talks, these Mm. deep talks. Mm. And it was exactly for that reason. We gave everybody a menu um, with different questions and it was a way to go through kind of a dinner conversation without the dinner, maybe just over coffee or whatever. But you sit down with a stranger And you dig in. And some of the things that came up from those meetings were just so beautiful. Like some people continuing to talk to each other. Some people became fast friends over the hour. And for me, it's about how do we, again, everything comes back to space for me. How do we create a space (laughs) where people can exchange? And in this case, that's, I like that word agora, right? Not everybody knows what it means and it means different things in different languages, In Portuguese, it means now, which is cool. But cool. where it actually came from was the the Greek sense of the center of the city, the place mm-hmm. for exchange and for discussion and for um, commerce right. and meeting. Yeah. And it was how do we create this space where people from maybe ways that would never cross, maybe paths that would never cross, how do we cross paths and create this little cocktail of beautiful people that have a chance to exchange and learn and grow and play and just explore mm-hmm. and and that's one of the things that I just love yeah so yeah and it was super cool I was, was there so nice. and it was really cool and I yeah it was really <laughs> nice to speak to all these people that I also see at events like creative mornings or yes. whatever and um, I did the menu thing with Matthias actually. Oh, really? It was cool. Yeah. Super nice. Really nice. And yeah. the kind of we hugged after because that's the feeling you had after this yes. conversation. Yeah. So and also I, I saw the TED talk of the the guy who created those menus. Yeah. 
you know? Yes, the yes, French Zeldin, guy, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Well, or is he dead? He's, he's a very confusing person Or, because he's one of the world's leading experts on France. But I think he's... I'm, I'm sure I'm going to butcher this, but I think he might be Polish, who's now yeah, a nationalized think, yeah. UK citizen, yeah. right? So it's very confusing, he but French, he just yeah. happens to yeah. be one of the leading experts on France. <laughs> yeah, but I saw yeah his TED talk. Yes, I f I'm pretty sure it was him. Yeah, um, yeah, it was definitely. Yeah, after after the Agora, uh -huh. it was super random, and uh, it was really interesting. Yeah, that's. That his passion is to um, know. Uh, yeah, he was saying to know other people because he said you can never really know yourself. So his career exactly. was about knowing other people, and I love that. Exactly. I'm not sure if you can never really know yourself. I'm not sure about that, but. I'm also passionate about yes. knowing other people yeah. and what's going on in their life. I think so. Oh, there are two points that I want to talk about with that. One is I think that we know ourselves through reflection. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, I think it's incredibly helpful. Um, whether it's people, it, it doesn't have to be people, though. Whether it's people, whether it's nature. Like for some people, for me, I'm, I'm mostly an extrovert but we were talking about this earlier <laughs> yeah. that there are times when I just need to shut off and I do kind of the extreme I love and I get a lot of energy <laughs> yeah. from people and then I will just say okay five days I'm running away <laughs> nobody talked yeah. to me I have nothing except for you know just a journal and wide open space um, but that also provides a mirror and a reflection And so in some ways, when we interact with other people, there's, there's that chance to have a mirror of ourselves. What hits me? What resonates? What doesn't resonate? Yeah. And it's one more chance to kind of refine what's inside. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing that I love as well about Zeldin, what he says is, you know, there's so much richness around us. Like, you might sit next to a person on the bus every day and not realize that that person was like... A Nobel laureate, or yeah. something like you know, it's not always that extreme, but that this person writes children's books and was inspired by so and so, and you know, the richness that exists all around us if we just take the time to stop and start a deeper conversation. Yeah. And so, that's yeah, I love that yeah. as well. I think it's super cool. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, any other projects like uh, the Agora or anything else coming up? Yes. Soon? So, so there are a few things that are that are in the works, um, mostly around the topic of education, um, and specifically, specifically young adult and adult education. So, um, what are the places where we're seeing this whole new way of working and living, and things are changing so fast? And we have so many opportunities. Like you're seeing, you're seeing actually consciousness come up in like pop songs and mainstream everywhere. Mm -hmm. I saw something that there's an art exhibit right now on ecstasis in Bern, right? Which is essentially the state of flow, right? This this ability <laughs> for ourselves to just tap into mm -hmm. that perfect alignment and and move forward in total flow, um, and. 
but what do we do with all of this information? And there's something that I just keep seeing come up again and again, and it's how to be really real with all of the doors that are opening and to see what's happening, because I also feel like there's there's some times when everybody thinks, ah, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to quit my job and I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to do something totally different and it's going to be great because I'll have all of this freedom, <laughs> right? Well, we, we know <laughs> that entrepreneurial life is not all about freedom. There's yeah. beautiful freedom that yeah. comes with it, but then there's also a whole nother side of all of the tasks and things that your company used to mm-hmm. do, now you get to do. Mm-hmm. And how do you do them well? And how do yeah. you have a realistic expectation? Not, you know, not a down and like depressed expectation, <laughs> but how do you really see what's going on? Do you know your strengths? Do you know the things yeah. that you struggle with? And instead of like avoiding them and mm-hmm. saying, no, no, but I'm sure whenever I quit my job, I'll be able to organize my time well. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. But how do you have a really realistic expectation? And so this is something, you know, how do you bridge that gap between the fluffy, oh, it all feels good and let's just, you know, let's be bliss bunnies and, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, down in the dumps. I feel totally overwhelmed. How do you bridge that gap in between and like take a light and humorous but really realistic look at what's going on and that's that's where I feel really drawn to so I think that's that's what's moving that's what's in the works right now teaching it or creating Mm -hmm. courses Mm -hmm. yeah and like we were talking about a combination I think of online but mostly in person yeah because there's something about as well that community of sharing the space and that it's not just okay here's here's this theory here are all of the the theory and theoretical pieces behind it but okay now take this into action okay you want to start something start a group within your class start you know here talk to this entrepreneur go talk to them for the weekend go spend some time Mm -hmm. do an internship Mm -hmm. like how do we really bring this stuff into into actionable movement within our lives because the experience is what causes it to drop from our heads down through our hearts into that knowing space like the the depth of knowing what we know because theory is wonderful and beautiful I love learning I love learning stuff but but it has to drop down Mm -hmm. yeah so do you believe that the future is full of entrepreneurs Mm. I think the future is full of a wide variety of roles and I think it's also looking at what really what really turns us on Mm -hmm. you know and also not turning a blind eye to the role that technology plays Mm -hmm. you know not just saying oh the phone is the enemy Mm -hmm. let's run away but also (laughs) on the flip side not saying you know oh let's embrace everything that comes I think and I was listening to this amazing speaker I think her name is Elizabeth McGowan and it's Elizabeth something but I'll double check And she was talking about, you know, that with our grandparents' generation, it used to be that work was, like, I know one thing and I know it incredibly Mm -hmm. deeply, right? So it was this I model. 
And then it's become more and more over the past decades about this T model. I need to know a little bit about a whole bunch of stuff and then a few things I need to know very, very deeply. And she said, what I can see coming is more of an X model. It's the cross and understanding the cross between technology and human consciousness. And the benefit that technology will take over a lot of roles within our companies, right? We, I mean, even emails, right? You can see what email has done and transformed to companies over the past 20 years or however long it's been around. Um, but then where do we see the human element? Yep. And where is where are we taking advantage of understanding technology and understanding what it can do, but also where its limitations are and where the human limitations are? I can't compute as fast as my phone, yeah. right? <laughs> this, <laughs> <No>? head, this <laughs> head is super... There are yeah. some people that can, but most can't. And so then it's how do I work with the world around me instead of fighting yeah. it? You know, and how, and this is where I think the continuous learning and continuous growth is going to be incredibly vital because the things that you learned at university mm-hmm. are already becoming obsolete because yeah. of technology or because of, you know, a changing system yeah. and all of this. So it's going to be, I think, developing a love affair with learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they taught. Yeah, I never know how to pronounce his name, but he wrote "21 uh, Lesson for the 21st Century." Ah, yes, Yuval. yes, sorry, yes, him. And we won't butcher yeah. your name. We'll put it in later. It's great. <laughs> yes, he says that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it's always changing, and you cannot do the same thing your whole life. And I mean, I don't want to. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I do something else every year, but because I'm. Uh, super airy. <laughs> yes, yes. But that's what's going to happen to everyone. Yeah, exactly. you have to be willing to learn and yeah. Exactly. Or be aware of what your passion is. Like you and I, we both share that, right? I don't imagine myself doing the same thing until I retire. Yeah. In fact, I don't even imagine retiring. That's also yeah, the funny thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine that. Yeah. Um, but where there are our kind of people, they're also all different varieties. They're ones that go, actually, I do really love that mm-hmm. incredible depth of model. Mm-hmm. And they might end up being a specialist in one area that we're always going to to need certain things, mm-hmm. right? And and to to also recognize the beauty in those roles, that it's not a second-class role. No, like the furniture builder or Mm. the one who's creating you know this specific model of something you know and it's it's the handcraft and the beautiful art of these different things the artists the writers the all of this they might have just incredible depth in one area And it is still about learning, but it may be learning in their field, Mm -hmm. learning to maybe integrate some technology or learning how to really not integrate technology (laughs) and what that looks like, you know, whatever it is. So that's why I think our future is still incredibly varied. I don't think it becomes just a land full of entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. but I do think the system changes quite drastically and the paradigm and the ways that we work, I think, will change Mm -hmm. quite dramatically. Yeah. 
My two next questions are about that because mm -hmm. I was interested in the universal salary. Mm -hmm. And so I ask everyone, uh, what would you do with more money and what would you do with more time to, to kind of hopefully prove or show that you wouldn't become lazier yes. if you had more of these two. Yes. So, so what would I do with more money mm -hmm. is the first one. Okay. <laughs> I already do a pretty good job of this, but mm -hmm. I would, um, the biggest thing is that I would invest in more learning for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and not in a way of like gaining certificates, mm -hmm. but following my curiosities. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I am fascinated by biomimicry, okay. which is like <laughs> looking at the world around us and seeing the way that over however many tons and tons of years, um, the earth has been exploring and perfecting like the way that a plant takes in oxygen or takes in carbon dioxide and produces oxygen, you know, and then how can companies and how can we as individuals learn from this beautiful organism of nature around us to influence mm -hmm. and to teach us. So to be our amazing teacher of how we can do things more gently and more naturally and more beautifully than we could have ever figured out through force and, you know, <laughs> Blunt, blunt trauma or blunt force trauma right which is the way that we produce a lot of stuff yeah. massive heat <laughs> and high pressure and all of that to create something and nature just does it so beautifully mm -hmm. um, so I would do a course on biomimicry yeah. and exploring more into that um, I think as well more giving back <laughs> so taking that stuff and just amping up exactly what I'm doing right now I take stuff and I synthesize information I like finding the red thread between a whole bunch of different types of of work and research and so just bringing that more boldly I think okay. um, and maybe probably to a broader scale would be something super interesting for me and rewarding for me yeah. because I learn so much whenever I'm also teaching yeah I'm also the teacher and the student at the same time, always. Yeah. And then, second question, more what would time. I do with my time? Was that it? Yeah, what more, more time. time. More time. Or maybe you'd already have enough time. I feel like, I, I feel like that's the blessing of the way that I work right yeah. now, is that I feel like I have an immense amount of time, um, but I would love to learn how to how to facilitate it a little bit better, how to okay. really use it, and not in that way of how do I maximize my efficiency, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, wow, this time, like, really seeing the value in it and seeing how rich each moment is and just having the desire to use it to its fullest. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. What does your self-care practice look like? Oh gosh, that's one of those places that it's a little chaotic. It's all over <laughs> and it's whatever is needed in the moment. So the elements of my self-care practice, movement is a huge piece. Um, 
whether that's like I, I go for walks a lot because yep. walks clear out my mind they help me synthesize thought they get blood flowing they in essence they kind of shut off certain parts of my brain whenever I'm walking it kind of wears down the crazy little mind that's constantly going in the background <laughs> and and it goes like oh okay you're giving me a task to do I have to walk okay good and it's kind of like that hyperactive piece yeah. gets gets a task and then the rest of it processes in the background so I take a lot of walks um or runs and gratitude is a huge piece you um, write it or? yes yeah. I write it and I write it I actually do it because I love handwriting stuff but I actually do my gratitude journal in my phone um with this super little app I love it because you can add pictures and I love this because for me there's something to that quick like scroll back through and see these images of uh, what yeah. was going on yes. and it's an instant snap back mm-hmm. to okay my focus has gotten a little a little off I've started to surround myself with certain chaotic thoughts yeah So now let me bring, let me redirect my thoughts to where I actually find immense amounts of benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so the gratitude is huge. So there's also finding quiet space, meditative practice, breathing. Um, those two I play with a lot, just how they work. And look, I don't have one set way of doing okay. it. Um, and also just general self-care like I was talking about in the mornings I take my time in my mornings and I like to have the time to just breathe and enjoy that space because for me that's that's my little pampering every day that starts me off on a really beautiful foot nice and like you said before maybe retreat Mm -hmm. for a few days yes exactly And so that's one that I don't I don't necessarily require that on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, that's more I like my little chunks of time where just take off driving is also a really beautiful way. But I do this as well whenever I fly. I, I actually hate that they put Wi-Fi in planes now. <laughs> oh, it do? drives me nuts. <laughs> And you have to pay for it, of course. But oh, yeah. like, ah, uh, because that's like a sacred space. Mm-hmm. The plane or the train, <laughs> you know, it's it does the same thing as that walk does. It's okay. just that space to go, oh, here's my room. Okay. Here's my room to play. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Um... Yeah, so that's how you relax. That's how you re-energize. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe a few words or sentences about what you learned on your journey to entrepreneurship. Oh, that's a good question. Things that I've learned. So, this topic is probably biggest in... Actually, it's massive in all areas. But um, I would say there are three things. The first is trust. Yeah. Um, And trust kind of goes along with chill out. Like, okay, so can you, can you really 
trust in this process? Can you keep your mind going? It's not that you should just shut off the logical part of your mind, but your mind, my mind, can only reference things from the past. And it, it does a wonderful imaginative job of trying to synthesize what the future could look yes. like. But the only building blocks that my mind has is the things that it's experienced in the past. And so to realize that whenever I'm stepping into something like entrepreneurship that is totally new, totally different, that there's a whole lot of fear that comes up, a whole yeah. lot of those little red flags, and knowing the only way to actually see the unknown, which it really is unknown, is to step forward yeah. one step at a time. And so that's that trust piece. Yeah. Um, the second is communication. And not just external communication, but the way that I was communicating with myself. Yeah. Um, the words that I was using, the, the things that I was reinforcing realizing how powerful my internal communication is and also the importance of the external communication so when you're not clear to just own it like you know what I don't know exactly what I do right now ah, I want to act like no I've got all of my shit together and it's totally fine but sometimes we just don't yeah um and that third thing is again with the communication listen and the listen and the trust go really closely together because there are amazing people out there who have done amazing things or who are struggling with things yeah. that can support us massively. But it has to go hand in hand with the trust because if you're just listening and taking in information from other people without checking it against like that belly knowledge, then you can end up running around ragged all over the place because everybody has a different way of getting to, you know, what's the right way to be an entrepreneur, what's the yeah. right way to do something, and there are a lot of contradicting things. And you have to be able to take all of that in to be really open to it, which mm -hmm. is beautiful, that openness, that curiosity that goes with the listening. But then you have to be able to take that inside, synthesize it, and and say, okay, does this actually align for me or is that just what worked for them? And it's beautiful, but not for me. Nice. So yeah, and that's the, what I would say. The third thing, or that was? Ah, that was the, the trust, the listening, and the communication. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> and two words to your younger self, would it be chill out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what trust would really be trust in who you are yeah. um, because I was always trying to be somebody else when I was little mm. I was always trying to curate that world around me I was always trying to protect some identity that I had worked so hard to build up right like oh no no this is how people should see me I'm happy and I'm this you know and, yeah. and I'm, I'm extroverted and, but whenever something inside of me wasn't aligning with that I would kind of freak out and be like, no, 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 that doesn't, that's not me. <laughs> well, it is me. Yeah. Um, and the second thing, so first would be trust, and the second would be embrace the paradoxes. <laughs> and it goes along with that, like, nice. I am an extrovert, but you know what? Sometimes I tell the entire world to go away, right? 
it doesn't mean that I'm no longer loving people, yeah. but I, I need to love on myself in yeah. that case or whatever. Like we are just walking paradoxes <laughs> and to just embrace it, to stop trying to find the logic yeah. in everything and just play. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And boundaries. Yes. Um, any tip for people who want to start to be self-employed? Hmm. Chill out. <laughs> yeah, chill out. Um, get really curious about your curiosities, actually. Um, and by that, I mean it, like the, Steve Kotler, who does a lot on flow, and he's doing something right now. I'm actually going through a course that's on the habit of ferocity. And he's talking about, like, entrepreneurship. <laughs> Is, is not just a cakewalk, right? It takes a lot of motivation and drive yeah, yeah. And, and constant energy. Um, and when that energy comes from places where we are just like stacking our curiosities on top of each other, then that motivation becomes much easier. Like I was talking about, you know, I, I love biomimicry. Well, I'm looking at how biomimicry plays into our social interactions and social systems. And I also love art and design. So the events that I do, I also want them to be beautifully curated with people who are also curious and passionate. And like when you can start stacking your curiosities up, there's a huge amount of power that comes just from I don't have to always force myself to do something because this project or this work that I'm doing as an entrepreneur it stacks so many of my passions and excitements together that even when one of them is kind of like a bummer <laughs> at the moment there's still four or five others that are carrying me forward with that work and so the biggest tip would it's stay curious And make sure that you're following those curiosities for your sake, that it's really you playing and not because you feel like if I do this, then it will bring more money or whatever, because that stuff, it comes and it needs its consideration, but it, but it only follows however much energy you're able to put into it. And it takes time. Yes. <laughs> and it takes time. Yeah. Oh gosh. You might be the most amazing business person in the entire world. And every now and then, like 1% of the 1%, somebody just kicks off something and it explodes. But otherwise, it builds and it gains momentum. And sometimes you have big wins, but other times sticking with it like that grittiness of I believe so much in yeah. this and it's been three years and it still hasn't taken off yeah. am I willing to hold to it mm. and that's what you hear from some of the top entrepreneurs they went through horrible things yeah. like horrible horrible situations but they stuck with it and it's also yeah that's part of that listening thing as well mm. and the listen and the trust because There are times when the entire world is going to be saying, uh-uh, this is not working. Really? You've been doing this for three years. You're still not making any money. And you have to check within yourself, is it because I'm not in alignment? Because it's not guaranteed. Maybe it's also you're not in the right place. Mm -hmm. Maybe there needs to be some tweaks or something that's done a little differently. 
Um, so it's staying open, but really trusting. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And what does work for you? What does it mean? Work for me. Oh, it's changed definition yeah. so much. <laughs> um, hmm. It's funny. At some point in time, I used to try and figure out how to create work-life balance. <laughs> And then I realized then I realized I actually I love when those two merge together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's recognizing then by the old definition of work or my old definition of work, the things that take a lot of effort for me to overcome and take that first step, those are the things of like, oh, Time management, um, like that's something that I'm actually very good at, but I have to set aside time to set up my plan, right? Yeah. I hate setting up the plan. Mm-hmm. I can manage the time whenever I've given myself structure, but to give myself structure <laughs> is really important, yeah. you know? Um, those kinds of things that, that for me, the work part and the play part, when they start to merge more and more... Yeah. Yeah. Then it's harder and harder to figure out exactly what is work and what is just life. Mm-hmm. Um, but but by the classic definition, I would say work is the part of what I do that I deem it takes me some motivation. It takes me some drive to move forward. And the rest of it is the play that follows from that beautiful work that happens, yeah. like getting that done. And then the play flows from it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I would like to come back before the last question yes. to when you're with your clients or maybe with friends or family. How do you tap into um, this this intuition? listening yeah. piece? Yes. It's something that's super interesting. Um, as a designer, I'm a very visual person. I've been visual since since I can remember um, and and the the visual and the audio are my two keys um, and they work independently or they work together so for example when I was talking about um, doing phone coaching sessions Um, in those cases, phone or Skype, right, then either one or both of the elements are present. And in those moments, the first thing that I have to do before a session is I empty myself out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard from this shaman once, he goes, oh, yes, you are a hollow bone. And I was like, <laughs> what the heck does that mean? Like, what does it mean that I'm a hollow bone? And it's about being a vessel for whatever needs to flow through, right? And if I come with my own preconceived ideas and concepts, which is why I was saying I don't like to go to meet people at their homes, because I can't help it, right? We can't help but understand the stimulus subconsciously that gets kind of programmed into our brains. And so I just empty myself out completely. And I try to say, okay, I bring no judgment. 
and that's different than discernment. So I can still discern and have a gauge for what I feel, but know this is right or this is wrong. Because the moment that I step into this is right or this is wrong, somebody tells me about, you know, something that they're doing at work that maybe I personally, it doesn't align with me, but I want to hear beyond what's going on there. What is the root of what's making that happen? And so the process that happens within me is when somebody begins to talk, the first thing is that I start to see mental images. And that's a way of, actually that's one of the big synthesis things and the strategy that happens in a session is I take all of these little pieces that people are giving me and they synthesize into images. And they're really good analogies for, okay, well, as you're saying that, I'm imagining a bridge and I see this happening. And they're like, oh, I never, but that's what it is. You know, I'm bridging between this or whatever the mental image is. Um, And the other, (laughs) the other is this little voice that it doesn't speak, but it just goes, hmm. And that happens anytime that the words and the energy behind the words don't align. Right? So somebody says, Yeah, you know, I'm doing really well. And everything in the energy says, I'm doing horribly. And I just don't want to talk about it. And so a little voice inside of me just goes, Hmm. And I used to ignore it. When I was young, because there are so many times when we contradict ourselves, Um, (laughs) or we just aren't aware of, like from the subconscious, what's coming up, what's being expressed, because there's implicit communication, which is the words that I'm saying, and then there's the explicit communication, there's what's happening or implied, sorry, implicit. Explicit is my words. Implied is what's happening energetically, my body language, the way my eyes are moving, all of that. And and so learning to really recognize that, hmm. And it also, yeah. it calls me out on my own bullshit too. It's really yeah, annoying. Like there are times when I say something and that same little voice goes, hmm. <laughs> like, really? Is that really what you were thinking? And then I'm like, oh. Stop talking. It's so annoying. <laughs> shh, shh. Be quiet, you know? Yeah. But it's it's my it's one of my greatest gifts that I'm yeah. so grateful for. And it's not something that I developed or anything like that. And that's that's what it is, recognizing I feel like yeah. I was made to do this at this time. Yeah. And that's cool. And as well that's that piece of emptying out and being that hollow flow space is recognizing what I do is not because I'm so amazing and ah, oh, it's the fact that I was born with these gifts and I feel like it's my responsibility to to bring that and to follow that passion and follow that work. And so it's not a pride thing. There's no ego. And when there's ego, that's when I really have to check myself and go, wow, oh, aren't you just so <laughs> fancy? Did you, you know, decide on exactly how you would be? No. Did I cultivate it? And is it my responsibility to then share where I feel called? Yes. Yeah. But, yeah. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah. I think it's perfect to end here. Cool. And, uh, thank you so much. This was so lovely you. just speaking together. 
It was super cool. Super cool. Uh, where can we find you online? Online, www.rebeccaroberts.com. Also on Instagram or Facebook. Um, one of my biggest things, because I really like speaking with people, so I don't do so much writing. I love doing videos. So that's yeah. normally my biggest way of communicating. And so those are the best channels to find it. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for coming today. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed. Bye. <laughs>